welcome to As It Comes, life from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina, I'm a freelance cellist based in London, and I'm very excited that this episode is all about the relationship between music and food, my two favourite things. I love eating. I get so much joy out of it. There will be times where I've just woken up and I'm already thinking about what I want to have for dinner. Other times, I go to bed already excited about breakfast the next day. When travelling, there are people that plan their holidays around sightseeing, and then there are people like me and Mark, who like to wander destinations, telling the time by our stomachs and following our taste buds. We've found many a good restaurant that way. I love cooking, and I've learned so much about it from different sources over the years. I used to hang around in the kitchen when I was a kid. Mum would entrust me with very specific tasks relating to dinner. I read recipe books for fun. Not to mention YouTube. I can't mention cooking without talking about how much I've learnt from watching videos of Nigella on repeat. I've developed a pretty confident foundation of cooking knowledge from these different sources over the years, and as a result, I'm grateful to have a skill which not only keeps me alive, but is something I can share with others when we're allowed to entertain again. Naturally, there are so many parallels between music and food. In the same way that I've absorbed cooking knowledge from mum, Nigella, YouTube and the rest, I've gained so much knowledge about music making from slightly different sources. As musicians, we never learn everything we need to know from one single teacher. We learn from the world around us. For example, masterclasses from different teachers sitting at the back of the section in youth orchestra behind the intimidating, more advanced players, messing around and experimenting with friends, listening to a broad range of musical genres, going for walks in nature, getting your heart broken. There are endless sources from which we learn to express ourselves in music. But we also express ourselves in food. When you cook a dish, you're putting in so much time, care and love into that dish. It's a reflection of how you regard yourself and the people around you if you're cooking for others. A year into this pandemic, it's clear to see how the much-missed act of breaking bread with your friends and family goes hand-in-hand hand with sharing a live musical experience with others. They're both uniting communal experiences that leave us feeling spiritually, emotionally, and physically nourished. Someone who's thought a lot about the parallels between music and food is my guest for this episode, Catherine Carter. Catherine's a freelance flute player, as well as a very successful food blogger. It'd been a long time since we'd seen each other, but we'd recently reconnected as we were both presenting at an online ideas exchange run by Orchestra Vitae earlier this year. The founder for which, Fiona Gibbs, featured in episode 22 of this podcast, so do go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. Catherine spoke very eloquently about how we as musicians can use our skills to stay creative in the kitchen, and vice versa as well as some tips for freelancers on how to eat well when you're busy. This chat is the first one I've done in my backyard in about six months, and we started off talking about what we like and don't like to see in online content, while squinting in the spring sun. Have a listen to my chat with Catherine. Like you know what you like and you know what you don't like. Like yeah. I, I don't like being lectured to in a podcast. No, no, no. And that's the thing, and and that's why I, I with the food blogging stuff, I didn't tell people about it for such a long time. Yeah. Because I didn't want to feel like people 
I was talking to people and they were kind of like, oh, she's telling me what to do or eat or have. And, you know, all that kind of, I was just a bit like... People don't, yeah, I mean, like, people don't want to be like... Preach to, I guess. No. Not that that's that's what you're doing, but like... Yeah, yeah. but it is one of those things, isn't it? You just kind of, you want to have your voice, but without feeling like you're talking down to anybody or... Yeah, being patronising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really sunny. Mm. (laughs) My eyes. Do you want some sunglasses no I'm all right I'll just squint at you okay that's, that's okay we'll <laughs> do it the same no one, again. No, <laughs> no one can see us squinting because no, it's, it's a podcast fine. um but anyway I'll kick things off officially but Catherine welcome to the podcast thank you so much for driving all the way to my place we're here set in the garden it's spring 2021 I'm squinting in the sun and I'll just introduce you to people who might not know who you are but you're a flute player and you're also a food blogger and this is very exciting for me because long-time listeners will know how much I like talking about food and how much I celebrate whenever someone chooses the food wildcard question. Before we started recording, we were talking about when we'd last seen each other and it's been a really long time. But how's your 2021 been going for you? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's really lovely to be able to come and see another musician. It did feel like coming to work today, which is, you know, a joy, uh, especially in 2021. This year has been a bit funny. Um, I have to say the first lockdown this year, well, the third one overall, I have found quite tough just because it was dark and cold for most of the time. And, you know, we could go outside for a walk, but there weren't many daylight hours. And, you know, juggling the bit of teaching I did have online. Yeah, it was tough. I think that's been a challenge for lots of us. Yeah, it's been hard not going outside, mm. you know. And now that we are, oh, I mean, it's still pretty cold, even though the sun is shining in my face. It does elevate one's mood. Absolutely. You know, it's so nice to be here in a garden. <laughs> you know, that's a real <laughs> treat that we're allowed to do that now. And not being able to do that in that lockdown was really, really tough. Just, you know, the weather wasn't nice enough for, for one. The sun, it did shine, but it wasn't very warm. And actually just having that human connection again, yeah. I think, has made a big difference to everybody. Certainly this week as things have changed a bit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. As I was telling you before, it's really nice to see you in person because yes. it's been such a long time <laughs> yeah. that I've done a podcast recording speaking to someone like just across the table from me so you know thanks once again oh thank you so as I mentioned before you're a flute player Mm. tell me a little bit about your musical journey how did you become a flute player well if I go way back as a child my nursery teacher played the piano and we we sang along and I thought that was amazing I went home and said to my mum age four I'd like to play the piano and she said oh that's nice dear not musical at all Mm. neither is my dad my family weren't and they just thought it was a phase that I'd grow out of my grandma listened to me when I was seven or eight I think it was and she bought a piano my parents said what are we supposed to do with that where's it going to go and I started piano lessons it takes up a bit of space in the living room doesn't it (laughs) absolutely um and so I was really grateful for that but I actually saw Young Musician of the Year completely by chance as my dad was flicking through the channels as a child and I said that's what I want to do and the flute player on there I just that was that was it really and I said I really want to play the flute and I really really want to play with an orchestra I don't know it sounds a bit silly to say that it came from that but it did really and I think um, especially as a child and a teenager the thing I loved most was making music with other people and the rehearsals and the tours and the you know weekends away playing with like-minded people it was amazing you just have a connection with people that is totally different and you can't explain it when you're all playing that piece of music together and that was my thing and so I was just very lucky that you know that that love lasted and that's really what I wanted to do I didn't really waver at any point you know people always said to me my parents said oh is it really a job you know (laughs) it's it's a bit of fun well mm, 
you might see it as a bit of fun, but actually it's a job I love. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it is really hard work and other times it's incredibly enjoyable without so much hard work. You know, it really yeah. varies. But yeah, so I went through the studying route, went to university and had lessons at the Northern at the same time, went to music college for my master's and then freelancing. Yeah. The lovely world of freelancing. <laughs> Um, Only to come to an abrupt end in March 2020. <laughs> well, yes. I've definitely been very grateful for the freelancing before then, yeah. but also to have had some teaching and be able to build up on that in the last year because yeah. that has definitely kept me sane and it's given me just a bit of connection with the music world. It's not the same as playing with the people, yeah. but it really has been kind of lifeline in there is some music going on, albeit over a computer, <laughs> with interesting connection issues, as we've all, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> experienced. Yeah. But that has been, you know, really good to have. Yeah, and also, you know, you mentioned it being a lifeline, and not only for yourself, but also for the students as mm. well. I think that's what I've really noticed is when, you know, you pop up on Zoom or Microsoft Teams, and they're there on the other end, and it's nice for them as well, because chances are they've been sat at home in the same room, you know, juggling the internet connection with their siblings and their parents and then they get to do something different they get to talk to someone outside of their household I don't know about you but did you find that any of your students were more engaged online I think some of my students it was a real individual connection for them because I was there purely for them and I think they really found that valuable much more so than lessons were in person to some extent because all of a sudden their outside world was cut off and then they just had you pop up on their screen at the set time every week and actually they were looking forward to it and yeah. students that perhaps weren't doing as well when life was really busy they actually flourished yeah. and I had some really lovely emails from parents and some feedback that I just wouldn't have received beforehand yeah. saying you know they've practiced so much and they've really enjoyed playing they've been playing to family members things they hadn't ever done before because it gave them a sense of purpose in a different mm. way and that is just it's an amazing feeling that you've helped somebody have that connection with their instrument and enjoy music in that way because yeah. especially as we haven't been able to have the connection perhaps with playing as we would like to be able to give that to somebody else is yeah. just wonderful really it goes back to what you were saying before like there is music still happening exactly. even though it's not yes. necessarily us playing in the consoles as we used to yeah it's still it's still alive we mm. have to keep that alive i did notice with some of my students a lot of them were a bit more disciplined online I think so. Yeah. I think there's definitely that sense of that they couldn't really do much else. <laughs> yeah. Short of playing on the computer and you know the you know FaceTime calls with their friends and things, but they had a lot more time mm -hmm. and they could choose to use it if they wished to. And actually it was lovely to see those that did and were able to because they were in the place that they were musically. Mm -hmm. It just gave them something to be able to focus on and the results they really did achieve in lockdown you know the first one and the third one in particular the second one they were back in schools but those two I, it's just remarkable what some of them managed to do yeah. I think also it, it was the saving time as well one of the big issues for getting young cellists to practice is just getting it out of its case just yes. getting the cello out <laughs> and it's probably the same for flute as well right like think, the assembly I think any instrument isn't it yeah. I think it's just the it's the doing it's the setting up and it's the doing the showing and up yeah. I think so also with a lesson they were ready to go so you yeah. get so much more done in half an hour that's true there's not like the five minutes on either end of unpacking Absolutely. and faffing around go to the storeroom get out your instrument and it's like they're there ready mm. that actually gave me a bit of a shock when I first started it's like I felt like 
a 35-minute lesson online was a lot longer than a 35-minute lesson in person. <laughs> Definitely, I agree. I think I wasn't quite prepared for it, and I would get through the material I'd planned for very, very quickly. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, we could spend more time on sight reading. We could spend yeah. more time doing other things. I think that really helped them. But also sending recordings so they could play along. You know, we could teach in different ways. And I think for students, that gave them variety and yes for maybe for us it didn't feel like there was much variety but I think for them it must have done yeah all of a sudden embracing the technology a bit more yes I've found this actually like I've, I've become a little bit more competent with like scanning music and sending it to either the parents or the students themselves and sending backing tracks or tutorial videos for those little bits that you can't explain in a half hour lesson online just being motivated just to record a quick video on my phone and sending it off. Whereas I probably wouldn't have been motivated enough to do that. I think so. And I think it's also time. We were so used to running around, you know, breakneck speed <laughs> between yeah. teaching to go to a gig, to go to rehearse. To, you know, we didn't have the time that I think we had when we were teaching at home. So we could yeah. do it. And it wasn't such a big time pressure, I think, more than anything. But yeah. also we suddenly had all these contact details for parents and things that we weren't given mm. before. And it did give a connection that has made it easier to for it to be more personable I think for them as well I think it's good to have that connection with the parents isn't it I they see so. you actually as a real person who's you know we're all struggling throughout this pandemic yes There's that but also it means that they can be a little bit more engaged with their kids learning and sometimes you don't you have no contact with parents at all Absolutely. you know in, in some schools and they just think okay well I'm paying for these instrumental lessons and just going to pray that the child absorbs the information yes but it's a little bit more than that isn't it <laughs> I have to say I hadn't seen most of these parents before and then all of a sudden you'd see them pop up at the end of the lesson say thank you so much mm. I've really enjoyed hearing you know this piece or whatever and it was really nice to actually see the bigger picture and meet the family yeah. you know <laughs> not, not quite you know, meeting the whole family but you know you'd see the family cat come in and the dog and it was a lot more personal I think for the students as well yeah. as opposed to at 10 30 please come for your lesson it's in the middle of maths please be on time bring yeah. your music and your instrument well they were ready yeah and you know mum would come in and bring them you know a cup of tea or a glass of water and it just felt a lot more human I think yeah and I think that sort of goes back to what you were saying before about you know the social aspect the human connection with, of making music because I'm the same as you I'd say my journey was quite similar to you in some ways that in that I really enjoyed like the youth orchestras and the going mm. going on tours and the, the fact that I had friends playing in ensembles and stuff like that and I would much rather see that personal side of a musician see them in their living room see their mum come in or see their cat walk by than just this permanent fixture of someone playing the violin or cello or whatever in their living room and just that you know there's so much more it helps us see what makes them a musician as well and it doesn't matter what level they are they are still a musician of some kind mm. and I think it just helps us see the bigger picture and understand what makes them tick as well yeah, yeah. everything you do in life informs your music making as we'll get on to because <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned before you as well as being a freelance flute player, you're also a food blogger. You know, I'm really fascinated by this, you know, the parallels between food and music. And also just the fact that you're doing something that is seemingly completely unrelated to making music. But then also there is so much that can inform each other, I think, from the two disciplines. 
So, you know, what was your inspiration for starting a food blog? Well, (laughs) it's a bit of a funny one. So, you know, in the midst of freelancing and balancing teaching and just the chaos that I think we lived in to some extent before. Chaos is uh, definitely the right word. (laughs) I did burn out to some extent in, I think it was about 2015, 2016. And I just needed to find a better balance. You know, I was working full pelt. You know, you're saying yes to everything you're trying to squeeze teaching in because you're touring and you're traveling everywhere and your school's saying that you need to fit in this many lessons a term and it was really really hard work and I just wasn't feeding myself properly and I think this actually probably started back in college days because we were practicing all the time we were you know told we need to be at this rehearsal do this that and the other and I wasn't really giving myself time for movement and I wasn't giving myself time to cook and look after myself properly but I didn't really think about it yes I was cooking but probably things that were very quick and easy and not thinking about is it doing me any good <laughs> yeah am I getting any nutrients <laughs> exactly from this? yeah and you know when we're touring uh, that oh. just goes out the window yeah. it can be really hard if you're not thinking about it and most of the time you're not because it is time dependent I need to catch this train at this time yeah I'll pop into M&S and get the sandwich that I always get because I know it will be there and there's no time to think about exactly so it really came from that and I started off just doing some reformer pilates and I booked it out in my diary and that was something that I stuck to every week and it was in the studio off I would go every week you know sometimes I had to move it but that was something I had to do at least one session of every week right so you'd set that time and you'd be like I'm going to the session. Absolutely. So sometimes I'd, you know, do a 7.30 in the morning because it's easier to then start teaching slightly later mm-hmm. and then hope that I could still get to a rehearsal in the afternoon <laughs> or whatever it might be. Um, this all sounds so foreign now. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, we were just saying before we started recording about how you had two engagements the other day and you were exhausted and it's just... Sometimes it can feel tiring just to leave the house for one thing. Absolutely. (laughs) So it started there and then I realised that I was still exhausted and actually sometimes I was so tired I really just didn't want to get out of bed and do it and I needed to look at, you know, was I sleeping enough? Was I Mm. feeding myself well enough? And the answer to both of those was no. (laughs) Um, Because the job we do is very sociable and it's really nice to catch up with everybody when you see them on a gig after however long. But actually I needed to start thinking about how I fed myself. And a friend of mine had mentioned Instagram and said oh you should have a look on there there's some lovely recipes and things people put on and I was so new to it and I just thought oh let's go and have a look then and I fell into the rabbit warren of Instagram (laughs) as we all do pretty pictures (laughs) absolutely but it really helped me see that there were so many people out there that were following a similar journey Mm, and just experimenting along the way and that's how it started really and I just started I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, but I started posting food or pictures of food and recipe ideas, breakfasts, just different things to start my day in a different way. And I found that if I was experimental with breakfast and tried different combinations and different things and was really focused on having, you know, some fruit or sometimes vegetables, Mm -hmm. depending on what I was having at breakfast time and making sure I was full up until lunchtime, as opposed to having a bowl of cereal and being hungry by 10.30, which was (laughs) so normal before. (laughs) I felt much better and my whole day was a lot better as a result. Even if I then grabbed a sandwich and things went downhill later on, it just gave me a better start. And it just spiralled from there, really. And I just started to really enjoy experimenting and being creative in a different way. Yeah, And I think also because when you start putting stuff like this online, you're 
kind of making yourself accountable, right? Definitely. You're putting something online and you're like, well, I'm going to make time for this. And then you do make time for it. And then you're allowing your brain to actually think about it. You're making that time. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think making myself accountable was why I did it because that there is obviously when posting on social media, you want to do it again and again and again. For me, I wasn't doing it for the likes um, or anything like that. It was for me just to be creative and have a different creative outlet. And that's something that really gave me some headspace as well. And I hadn't considered the creativity link between food and yeah. music um I think the best analogy I could give is the sourdough analogy so for me I was petrified of making sourdough because I just didn't want to do it wrong and I didn't ever start it until last year in the lockdown um <laughs> because as a musician we don't like doing things wrong I'm sure many of us can relate to that but you know when you make sourdough you start off with a starter I actually made mine from scratch And then later on, I was given one as well from a family friend. But it's essentially water and flour. Mm -hmm. And it starts to ferment and you feed it and it ferments more and more over time. And that provides the natural yeast for your loaf. But when you make a loaf of sourdough, there are so many variables in the same way as when we perform. There are so many variables. And I could do exactly the same method on one day. And if I'm not really thinking about how it feels, the temperature around outside, the humidity, everything mm. changes totally depending on the day and the conditions. And if I if I don't think about that, the loaf is just not going to be very good. It won't rise nicely, the aeration, the bubbles, it won't be very good. I really think it's the same with us as musicians. If we aren't kind of taking the care and attention that we need to for ourselves and for others when we're playing, it just gets a bit lost and it becomes a bit flat, just exactly the same way as a loaf would be, very yeah, flat. <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think we have to invest in ourselves as Agreed. musicians, you know, in the practice that we do, in the instruments that we maintain and buy, etc. And I think that it's just really important to remember, as you said, that there are lots of different variables that could change the way it goes with the sourdough analogy for me it's the the idea I have made flat loaves over the last year and I have been so frustrated by it but then you pick yourself up Mm. you you know you feed the starter sourdough um, and then off you go again yeah and I think it's the same way with us when we have a performance when we feel burnt out and we feel a bit flat you pick yourself up and off you go again because you mentioned before it's just that fear of failure and fear of getting it Mm. wrong and I think as musicians we forget that when we're younger and when we're learning to play our instruments and learn our craft is that we've had to fail so many times to get to the point that we're at now it's just that you know as professionals I suppose the bar is a lot higher expectations are a lot higher there's further to fall but I think we just need to really remember how crucial it is to make those little mistakes sometimes then you have something to go off and you can self-assess you can evaluate and then improve from there improve your loaf of sourdough each time (laughs) I think so I think it really helps just to see how also we pick ourselves up and I think in the last year this is the time when I've been more experimental and I've really got into making you know my own recipes and developing things differently and trying new things just because I've had the time and it's been okay if it's a disaster because that's not my meal that I'm taking with me to a gig (laughs) (laughs) it's been a great time to have 
the time to put into something totally different. And because yeah. I've had the creative energy that we haven't had at work, I've been able to put it into the kitchen and I needed to have the creativity somewhere. So that was a good distraction. Yeah. I did find it incredibly hard when we weren't able to play and all of a sudden my diary was empty. Yeah. And to get cancellation after cancellation come through over the whole year because things were held, they were postponed and then postponed again. Yeah. And as a musician, your heart sinks every time you open your emails and you see, I'm really sorry yeah, yeah. to announce that we have cancelled. And those words just kind of fill you with, oh no, I just wanted to play. Yeah. So that's been an escapism really. Escapism, yeah, that's a really, really good word. Because um, I think we all find escapism in different ways. And, you know, for some people it might be watching films or, or TV shows or like you, channeling your creativity in the kitchen. And it's just keeping that alive, isn't it? I think that's what can really help us get out of bed in the morning, is just knowing that there's something to look forward to. Definitely. You know? And especially with something like sourdough, it's such a long process, isn't it? You know, it you, is. You, you don't <laughs> I've never actually made sourdough, but oh, I, you know, should. I know that it's like quite... It takes several days, doesn't it, to make one loaf? It, right? it does, it does. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing as a musician. We've spent so much time nurturing our craft mm. and the connections we have with other musicians. And, you know, sourdough is very, very similar in that way. Yeah. Um, I think lots of cooking and the other creative arts are. And I needed that distraction. I needed to be able to do something. For me, when I'm on form with my practice I really have to have a target or a concert to perform for to practice for and that's something I struggled with because I didn't have these dates in my diary to work for I didn't have auditions to work for I didn't have important engagements and all of a sudden (laughs) I was trying to sit there and play through technical exercises and repertoire and it just wasn't yeah fitting it's hard isn't it it's like you want something exciting I, I guess the end of the road for the sourdough is that you get this hopefully wonderful loaf that you can enjoy with your family hopefully yes <laughs> <laughs> and and with music it's either an important engagement or a, a wonderful concert or a piece of music that you want to share with loved ones but when you're just doing technical exercises because you feel like you have to it would just be like chopping loads of vegetables and not planning to use them for any recipe agreed and I think it (laughs) as a musician it's the worst thing we can do in a way because it takes out all of the creativity and passion from our playing I I was very lucky to do some online concerts and bits and pieces over the year but it wasn't quite the same oh gosh (laughs) I mean without the audience it just feels so stale doesn't it yeah Yeah. and it it was lovely to play for people I I had the opportunity to play for people in care homes as well and Mm -hmm. some really lovely musical opportunities but it still felt like I was playing by myself and I'm really glad to have given those people the the music making and along with other musicians at the same time but I just as a musician we are so used to giving each other those that kind of musical or sharing musical experiences all the time and I think that's what was missing yeah I had a previous podcast guest refer to it as a spiritual communion you know coming coming together you know because you're sharing and that's what like food is best when you're sharing it you know it's great to like oh yes cook for other people have people around and really enjoy this thing that we have in common and same with music as well 
for yeah. sure. That's definitely something else I've missed. And I think being able to cook for family a couple of weeks ago, I just made a lemon meringue pie. But my goodness me, I was so excited. <laughs> and I planned out my day when I was going to make the pastry, when I was going to make the filling, when I was going to make the meringue. Mm. And it was just wonderful to be able to do that yeah. and take it and enjoy it, albeit in eight degrees outside. But <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely to share food with people. Yeah. And it's just that human connection that I know we all crave. Mm. And food gives people that human connection yeah. and you know yes me with my family at home that was lovely to be able to share that but also with a three-year-old there's only so much you can share <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah and also because when you're making something like a cake because I've done this a few times I've just I've seen like a, a recipe online and I just think oh I want to make that cake and so I do but then if it's just it's just us two here just Mark and I Romeo doesn't eat cakes <laughs> <laughs> you know what do you do with a cake that feeds 10 people in lockdown like I know there are some people be like oh you should just eat it by yourself but no, I don't no, no. I don't want to eat it all you no. know like sometimes the joy is the process of making the cake isn't it and so you really enjoy like putting everything together but then it can be slightly off-putting when you see the amount of sugar that you put in and then by the end of it you're like I'm not sure if I should really eat 10 servings of this yes you know it, what I, mean? it, I, I agree with you what something that we have been doing is um in this lockdown we've actually well the first from the first lockdown we've got to know our neighbors really well mm -hmm. and we have a whatsapp group and lots of them are very very elderly so we've been doing shopping for them and we still do now even a year on um, because they just can't go to the shops safely yeah. and it's given them a lifeline really but something else I've been doing is baking for them and providing some meals and things so at Easter I made hot cross buns and they only last for a day and really they're best yeah. as soon as they've come out of the oven mm -hmm. but when you're making 12 16 hot cross buns and there's only three of you one of whom is half sized um, you really aren't going to get through many so I was able to make the bigger batches of things and enjoy the process but be able to pass it on Yeah. and that has been something I've really enjoyed doing because I feel like I've been able to share with them mm -hmm. and even in the first lockdown um, I did play for them sometimes I found it a bit strange at first because they knew I was a musician yeah. and they had the awareness but they hadn't really heard me play at all so all of a sudden they could <laughs> hear me play and it was just a bit bizarre yeah it was an experience but it was lovely to share music with them M share music and food so it, yes. they're like the two things that bring people together absolutely so I've, I've definitely enjoyed doing that and just be able to give to my neighbors when that you know they really don't have very many yeah. visitors or anything even at the moment now things have opened up mm. that has been lovely because we have connections now that we just wouldn't have had before and wouldn't have had if the pandemic hadn't yeah, happened. That's a really good idea, sharing food with your neighbours. What would your typical day in food be? So you've mentioned food to make sure that you stay well, you know, eating good food. Are there, you know, certain elements that you try and account for when you're cooking for yourself and your family? Well, I think more than anything, it's n not just cooking food that's nutritious is food that you love and enjoy and gives you that sense of comfort mm -hmm. especially when you're working <laughs> you know life was as it was before and so for me it's just having every meal needs to be enjoyable yeah. I don't want to be eating something you know everybody goes on and on about superfoods and things I don't want to put a superfood on my plate and actually I don't enjoy it yeah. it needs to be something that I want to eat so breakfast that are filling enough that I don't get hungry in the morning because I get terribly hungry and <laughs> 
Nobody <laughs> needs both. that. I know. It's really unpleasant for everyone involved. <laughs> yes, nobody needs that when I'm teaching or when I'm in a rehearsal. And it just needs to be sustaining, but also taste good. Yeah. And I think that's something. So, you know, making overnight oats so I don't have to rush in the morning and I can literally take the pot out of the fridge and I can eat it either when I get to work or before I go, depending on timing. So yeah. it's then flexible for you. In terms of lunches, I do like making things ahead and I love using my freezer. It's oh, so yeah. underrated yeah. and I wasn't blessed with freezer space for a long time living in you know black chairs and all sorts over the years. Mm. But so now I have my own freezer. I have the space to be able to batch cook. Yeah. And before when I had time off, I used to make batches of things, you know, in the morning or an afternoon I had off and just portion it up. Mm. And then I could take something out, cook some pasta, rice, potatoes, whatever it might be to go with it. Mm. And then that would be a meal on a train yeah. or wherever I was, at, you know, in between a rehearsal and a yeah. concert, whatever. That's a really key thing, isn't it? If you're blessed to have freezer space. Our freezer's a little bit cramped at the moment, but you know, when it is a little bit empty, it is really, really satisfying to be able to put things away in little portions, isn't it? Like stack things up. And just know, you know, there's that comfort factor in knowing that like if you're a little bit pressed for time, a good meal is not that far away. Definitely. There's a lot to be said for coming home when you're really, really tired and just getting something out of the freezer and in fifteen minutes you have a meal and that is just it's such comfort I think especially when we're really really busy there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a takeaway I'll put that out there now um, sometimes you just need a different kind of food and comfort that doesn't involve spending hours toiling in the kitchen yeah. and your food is delivered to you <laughs> and I think it's really important to recognize that I know lots of people I've met in the online world perhaps would kind of question that but yeah it's human life exactly I mean like there's such joy in getting a takeaway sometimes. Yeah. And then also the joy in the leftovers because quite often, like for example, if you get a nice curry or something, it tastes better the next day. Always. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. You know, it's also just being honest. I think like sometimes you see on Instagram and then, oh, I made this thing and it was really, really easy and I made it from scratch. It's like, yeah, but could you really sustain that, you know, seven days of the week? I don't think, you know, well, unless people are incredibly organised, I am very organised in the kitchen, but I've only learned to do so from trial and error. And I've made plenty of errors over the, over the years. Mm -hmm. Things like last night I made pizzas, but the pizza dough had been in the freezer. So I make a really big batch of pizza dough. So all I need to do is take it out in the afternoon, leave it in a bowl to defrost. That's it. Mm -hmm. Roll it out, put the toppings on, cook it. So the time making the pizza dough and letting it rise has happened on another day when I've been able to be at home, yeah. whether I've been practicing or teaching whatever it might be I can leave it to rise in a bowl or go out to work and come back again yeah. it's not going to do it any harm and then just little steps that can keep you ahead of the game really make such a big difference yeah it's making use of the time where the food is sort of doing its thing absolutely as well because I, I find that like quite often it's nice when you have those recipes which are you know you set it and forget it Agreed. Slow I'm, cooker or like, you know, put it low and slow in the oven. Absolutely. You can do something while it's in there, while it's cooking. I'm a big fan of these recipes and, you know, they don't always look the most beautiful, but they are actually the tastiest. Oh, so tasty. Yeah. And especially if you leave them in the fridge for a day and then yeah. you have them. <laughs> so, oh, it's just, it's such a good idea. And I think it just helps us with variety as well. It's very easy to fall into the trap of making the same things all the time. Yeah. And I do have lists and lists and lists now of meals that we like mm -hmm. and meals that we didn't like so much and how we could tweak them. 
just so that I can try and give as much variety as possible. Yeah, it's the same with making music as well. I mean, we all have our lists of repertoire and studies and stuff that we can play, but we're not going to replicate them exactly the same every single time. Absolutely. You know, based on those varying factors, as you mentioned before. And so I think in, in the kitchen, it's really important to embrace that creativity, embrace the ability to change things up. Sometimes you might be missing an ingredient. It's like, how do we make this work? If we're missing this spice, well, let's try something else. And then that way, I suppose, your dishes, your repertoire expand in the same way that they would with music. Most definitely. I think it would become so tedious otherwise just to be doing exactly the same thing all the time. And it is a trap that we can fall into because we know we can make a dish in 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it might be. I know I can freeze it. I know that my husband will eat it and my son will eat it. But, you know, it's not good for the soul. And actually, that's what lockdown taught me because the first lockdown, I think, I did start to do the same things again and again Mm -hmm. because, you know, we were, it was dependent on what arrived from a delivery but then actually I had to adapt very quickly because things weren't arriving exactly things weren't available agreed so you learn to become very adaptable as musicians I think we take that skill for granted because Mm. we have to do it whenever we play with a new musician exactly a new ensemble Mm. it's it's could be like the 100th time that you've played Beethoven 5 mm. but it's going to be different every single time most definitely <laughs> and I think that's what makes us tick as well and I, I miss that sense of being on my toes and just not knowing what's going to come next yeah. and I think with food I do have that to some extent because I can create that by doing something totally new mm. by making a different kind of pastry which I have done in lockdown with varying degrees of success <laughs> um I will admit that it, it is quite thrilling I think isn't it that ability to be able to improvise in the kitchen and I suppose one parallel that I think of is being able to you know improvise or be adaptable in a way on your instrument providing mm. you've got a good grounding a good mm. understanding first because I think some people might not feel super confident in the kitchen because mm. they might not know the fundamental rules, I guess, of certain recipes. But it's just learning those things first, making sure that those things are simple, and then getting to that point where you can experiment and sort of extend your abilities. Definitely. I think it's one of those things where, you know, I am not an amazing cook, I don't think. I love to cook, and that that's where it comes from. You do not have to be an amazing cook to be able to cook well in the kitchen. I am not professionally trained. Mm. I did start a course in lockdown, yeah. which I've been doing online with Leith and studying nutrition and culinary practice. Yeah. And this is something that I decided to do for myself. And it starts in September because I realized very quickly that playing was not going to be coming back. <laughs> and I needed to use my brain in a different way and just find out more about food. And it gave me the opportunity to try recipes and different combinations I just hadn't considered. Yeah. But learn more about the nutrition side, which I've always wanted to know more about, but I know that I wouldn't want to put in three years for a nutrition degree and sacrifice music. Yeah. So it has given me the opportunity to expand my knowledge with a view really to be able to look after myself better when things go back to normal dare I say it (laughs) (laughs) extend your creativity yeah absolutely it's it's sort of learning the science the theory behind it absolutely that's something I would be quite interested in doing in terms of baking because with baking I feel like I'm definitely more confident with cooking Mm. cooking I'm quite good at throwing stuff together I, I know sort of the fundamental principles of why things happen and so I can generally make quite a good meal at not much notice but with baking 
you, you really have to follow the recipe. You know, you yes. can't really yeah. improvise so much. I would like to get to that point one day, I suppose, where you can come up with your own cake recipes, but you have to understand the science behind it, don't you? I agree. I, th- I think this is where the online world has given me connections with people that I wouldn't have had otherwise and discuss things like these recipes and what works and what doesn't. Mm. And that is something that, the connections with other food bloggers that I've made on Instagram that I've met at various food events over the last couple of years has been invaluable in learning what does work and what doesn't work. I, I can't tolerate raw milk at the moment, milk in its normal form. And so for me, I've had to adapt lots of different things using alternatives. I know we just discussed before oat, oat milk, milk and various other things. We've talked about oat milk a lot on this podcast, actually. Uh, big fan, big fan. <laughs> me too, me too. But just having to find different ways of making things work and also just different recipes so that all of my friends can have them because they might have a nut allergy they might be celiac they might not be able to tolerate dairy whatever it might be and I think having the connection with other like-minded people is exactly the same thing with music we're having that connection with other musicians and talking Mm -hmm. about different ways of doing things you know I would play something differently to how you would play it and that's the joy of being a musician is seeing what other people do and learning from them at the same time as when you're doing it as well and I think those connections it really is there's a huge parallel there yeah absolutely it's that collaboration and then the art form just grows out of that absolutely it doesn't reach a finite point and I don't think I even asked you what your favorite meal is oh gosh my favorite meal anything hearty I think yeah we're talking about breakfast but I'm a big fan of like hot savory breakfast oh absolutely I love eggs shakshuka Oh, shakshuka. Oh, that's the dream. So good. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had one of those in a long time, but maybe you've inspired me. might do that soon. But what I've really been enjoying lately are flour tortillas. Mm. Very good for breakfast time because it's quite light, easy to digest, but quite sustaining. And I've been making these omelettes with spinach. So I just wilt a little bit of spinach in a pan. And then I'll beat like two eggs. One egg is not enough. No, absolutely not. (laughs) When you're scrambling eggs, one just disappears. It's like a bag of spinach. You know how like a bag of spinach just turns into like one leaf somehow when you cook it. So lots of spinach, two eggs scrambled. Then make a little omelette thing. Roll it up into the tortilla wrap. Wrap it up. Delicious. Bit of chili oil as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of that. Some variations I like to involve mushrooms. I was going to suggest mushrooms. Peppers. Not a huge fan of peppers. I like chilies. I like jalapenos. Mm. Spring onions, good. Mm. And chives will just elevate eggs to another level. Always. Very, very tasty. Yep. As you may or may not know, I have a segment in my podcast called the Wildcard Question Round. I'm quite excited about this, I have to say. Oh, great. Excellent. Some people really freak out. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> this is where you have the opportunity to choose what I ask you next based on three topics that I present you there's usually a food question but I, I think because <laughs> because we've talked about food quite a lot I've substituted it with something else so your topics are and you can choose one of them travel destinations memorable performances and twist on food beverages oh this is very very tricky I think travel destinations just because of something I've really really missed <laughs> over the last year I really miss travel you know like I used to have the EasyJet app on mm. my phone I think I still and do but it's just become a <laughs> yeah, dysfunctional obsolete. yeah exactly <laughs> and you'd always have your upcoming trips and stuff on it and mm. I'd always be really really depressed if I didn't have a ticket 
on that app. Absolutely. And I haven't had one on there for ages. I really miss planning yeah. a trip and having booked a trip way in advance, whether it's for work or for pleasure, and looking forward to going somewhere new. Yeah. So my question uh, pertaining to travel destinations for you is, what's your favourite place that music has ever taken you? Oh, we were talking about tours and stuff before, which for both of us have been like one of those formative experiences in our musical journeys. It's one of your favourite places. Well, this one is a bit of a wild card, I think. So I had the opportunity to go and do some solo flute work um, in the most random estate is probably the best way to describe it in France Mm. and so it was near Marseille flew into Marseille by myself very strange because normally we used to be you know traveling with lots of other musicians and I was staying there for two nights and I was playing for some engagements and it was quite bizarre that they asked for a solo flute but it was the most beautiful estate I think I have ever seen Um, and it was a winery they produced their own wine they produced honey it was just it was just wonderful it sounds pretty self-sufficient it also sounds like something from like a greek myth or something yes yes <laughs> um but there it's an english family that own it so okay. um i was playing for some celebrations for them and it was just very very beautiful very serene yeah. where at the first place that I played in the estate was overlooking the sea and you could see an enormous rock in the middle of the sea you could see the the beach you could see the coastline and you could just about hear the water and it was so beautiful <laughs> and it was a lovely sunny day it wasn't hotter than 20 degrees but it was just a very very beautiful place to play Temperate, yeah. mm. I, I don't know about you but I always feel really really blessed when I get to do music in a beautiful place yes that's why I like asking that question because like it's so unpredictable we as musicians, we don't know where we're going to end up playing. Absolutely. We're never, we can't really be super picky with where work is going to be located. You no. know, you think about other professions like, oh, I, I'm going to move to this city because I like that city and I'm going to get a job there. Done. But it's not really the same for musicians. No. But I guess on the flip side, it means that we get to visit some really, really cool places. Absolutely. It could have been very different if it had been a rainy day, very windy. <laughs> I'm sure I wouldn't have enjoyed it perhaps in the same way. But I remember when I got the booking, I, I just thought, can I book my diary out for this long just for this booking? How long was it for? Um, so I was there for two nights, but okay. obviously travel either side. And, you know, you do have to factor that in because do I am I moving some teaching for this? Am mm. I saying no to something else? But it gave me time away and it gave me headspace and I think when we're incredibly busy sometimes those bookings that make us take time out and go somewhere that is so remote Mm. is actually quite a blessing yeah it's like when you're on tour and I'm guessing you probably don't have this as a flute player because you can always carry your flute with you but if you're on a tour and as a cellist quite often your cello gets put in a box and taken away on a truck and then you're forced to not be with your instrument which is like actually quite lovely you know I think you get some people like oh I really wish I could do some practice in the hotel room or whatever but you're actually forced to not think about your cello I think that's really important as a musician it's really really healthy Mm. to have that time but I think in the last year we've had that time and yes sometimes it's been quite challenging because it's (laughs) not been just for a day or something (laughs) it's been a long time (laughs) but I think having those opportunities and traveling does give us the headspace and it does give us time and I think it's something we need to be mindful of when we are booking and work in the future yeah did you ever fall into that trap you know back in the day where you pack in all the engagements you know and it might include like travel international travel 
or whatnot and your teaching and then other things around London and not factored in quite when you're going to sleep. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. <laughs> you, when you write in your diary, you write in all the engagements and they work on paper, but you haven't quite thought about the logistics like, oh, it actually is going to take me five hours to get from here to Scotland. <laughs> I need to think about that. When am I going to sleep? Absolutely. I think my biggest takeaway from the last year is to try not to do that. And it's very hard because when you get a patch of work, you don't want to be saying no. Mm. And it, especially as a mum now, I've had a lot of time in the last year with my son. Mm. And it, it's been enforced time because of childcare closures and bits and pieces as well. But it has kind of shown me that that time is really precious and you only have it once. I would never have had that time if we'd been working as we were before. So I think it's made me mindful to have time at home and say no to the things I don't want to do. Yeah. It's going to be interesting going ahead when things do come up again. And obviously I think people are going to be really inclined to say yes to everything that comes up. But then I wonder if it's going to get to that point again where people will really assess the quality of the gigs that are being offered because they're not necessarily all going to be amazing things and I wonder if people are going to fall into that trap of saying yes because it is something and I haven't had this for a year and a half. I would love to say that I won't fall into the trap of saying yes to everything but I think I'm going to find it very hard because I've missed it so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. I know. Gosh. What was the last concert that you did? The last, oh, in person, Yeah, I've been doing some concerts in South London, actually, with St Paul's Symphonia. Um, oh, so just I've, here, right? Yes, not very far yeah, away at all. just around the corner. So right. I've been very lucky to do some of those, and that has been wonderful to play with friends mm. and colleagues. Um, but they're live-streamed, right? They are, yes. Yeah, so we have had some with a few audience members as well. So yeah. that has been lovely. <laughs> but oh, some recordings as well. Yeah. But... I just miss playing to an audience I know. with a full orchestra. And I, I would love to be doing, you know, a big Marlowe symphony or something. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I wonder when that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, repertoire has just really shrunk now. Instrumentation of orchestras is just tiny. Yes. And everything is being recorded. You can't afford to be camera shy anymore. No. Yeah, man, the Marlowe symphony. That would be amazing. That would be the dream. But with an audience as well, not just in a studio. That would be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Because it's just that that feeling of rapture when you've played like a really incredible, like, well, you think of like the third moment of Chike Six. Oh, amazing. You know, where everyone like claps, but it's not the end of the piece. (laughs) (laughs) But like, can you imagine finishing that movement and then just dead silence? It would be really depressing. I I think that's what I found hard, especially when we we did the first one, just because you're playing and I knew my family were watching at home. I knew my neighbours were watching (laughs) because it's the first thing they've ever seen me do because Mm. they didn't come to my concerts before. They didn't really know about them. But not being able to see people enjoying yeah. the concert you know I miss things like seeing the pe- the person on the front row falling asleep yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's the little quirky things that you notice as musicians yep. that make a performance a performance and the feeling of applause at the end nothing replicates that yeah. when it's a live applause really I know yeah oh fingers crossed fingers soon crossed. soon I hope comes back anyway well thank you for your answer to the wildcard question round and um, Catherine thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today before we finish recording where can people find out more about yourself and your food blog so I'm on Instagram at Catherine Flute and I'm also on Facebook Um, I haven't been brave enough to build a website I have learned an (laughs) awful lot about technology over the last year but I'm not quite there so I think watch this space it might be something I do in the future yeah the website thing 
as a little bit of a pain in the ass, I have to say. Yeah, it's something that I would love to do, but I, I do worry about the time it will take and just understanding how to do it, really. I think one thing I've really found with stuff like that, you know, like websites and stuff, you have to, you have to enjoy the process mm. because, like, sometimes my, my upkeep with the podcast and stuff, there are some things that fall by the wayside because I really hate doing them, mm. you know, and so if I can find a way that makes it slightly more pleasant then I'd rather do that. Mm. But sometimes a task like building a website can be quite daunting and then you just, yeah, struggle to do it. Yeah, yeah. well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk about food <laughs> and music. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. That was my chat with the awesome Catherine Carter. Don't forget to check out her food blog on Instagram. She's got plenty of photos that will make you hungry, as well as useful tips for feeding yourself and your family. I asked Catherine if she had a recipe that she'd like to share, so here's one for a snack that's especially useful if you're a busy freelance musician. Coconut, cacao and almond energy bowls. You'll need 200 grams of almonds, 30 grams of coconut flakes, 180 grams of dates, 2 tablespoons of cacao powder, 1 teaspoon of cinnamon, which is listed as optional. You should always opt into cinnamon. Desiccated coconut for the coating. Blitz the almonds and coconut flakes until very small in a blender. Add the dates, cacao powder and cinnamon, then blend until the mixture comes together. You may need to add a little liquid such as almond milk, a teaspoon at a time, if the dates are too dry. Roll into equal sized balls. This can be quite sticky. Coat each energy ball with desiccated coconut and enjoy, or freeze for future consumption. And I know you didn't ask, but these are vegan. Thank you, Catherine, for that wonderful recipe. Let me know if you have a go making it. I'd love to hear all about it. That's it for today. Special thanks to Ros Nagy for my logo and Daniel Alms for my jingle. Banquet-sized thanks to Catherine for being my guest in this episode, chatting about my two favourite things and sharing her experiences and knowledge about food. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, you can support the podcast by buying me a coffee on my coffee page. Link is in the show notes. Get in touch at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com or on the website asitcomes.com where you'll also find all previous episodes and transcripts of the podcast. You can also get in touch with me via Instagram and Facebook, where I highly recommend you give me a follow and a like at As It Comes Pod. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to those who have already done so. And thanks for continuing to spread the word. Chat to you soon and take good care. Bye.